2015 season has come to a close, and the Portland Timbers are the lone team at the top of the mountain. This is the SPI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsev, who is back from Columbus. Ivis, how is it going, man? It's going great, man. It's uh, <clears throat> It was a hell of a week in Columbus, uh, and as I always tell people, I always have a great time in Columbus, and uh, it... it, it didn't disappoint. It was a, a memorable we- MLS Cup week and a, and a memorable final. Uh, I know there might have been some people who complained about some stuff regarding the final, but I thought it was an excellent final, uh, and I thought the deserving team won. Well, you know, I, I think people were hoping that the first goal would be scored like that 30 seconds in. I, I think that's fair, Ivan. Who cares how it scored? It's the game. No, Things it changes the game completely. Ah, okay, so what? They made a mistake. Portland forced them into mistake. That's the game. That's that's any game. I know. That, that's, I know. That, that's dumb. That's like saying, oh, I wish this NFL game wouldn't have started with an interception. <laughs> or a kickoff return. <laughs> yeah, like, like, so look, once the whistle blows, everything is everything counts. So, you know what? Columbus messed up. They're at home. Uh, credit to Portland. They pressed them. They pressured them. And they forced them into a mistake. So, uh, you know, it... Yeah. it and even a, a, that aside, and, and I, I'm sorry, but people who, who kind of use those things to kind of try to downplay the, the game itself, I thought I still, I the game was good. It, the game was great. It was a very good game. Two very good teams. And uh, I, you know, as much as some might say, oh, this was a great showcase for the league, I thought it was. I thought it was a good game. It was great. I, I think you know, you know what it is. It's the championship game. You just hate to see a, a blunder like that. I mean, all credit to Portland for taking Sports, advantage man. of that. But well, it was forced. It was forced. But you know, it's it's unfortunate to see to see that it happens in in other sports. It happens in soccer. I mean, we've seen how many times have we seen that in in, in whether it's World Cups, Champions League, uh, guys getting red card in the beginning of a game. Of course, it happens. Years it happens. Mistakes happen. You live with them. Uh, and it's how you respond. Some some teams can get over mistakes, and some teams uh, don't get over mistakes. But you know what's, what? What I <clears throat> I know we'll never know, and I know people will say, "Oh, we'll never know." Especially Columbus fans, but you know what? When it comes down to it, they the Columbus crew had eighty minutes, eighty three minutes after those two goals to to really make things happen. Yeah, they really couldn't do much. And I know some say, "Oh, well, you know, Portland had a two goal lead," and it's and like, no, look, it doesn't matter how that it, it, that early those early uh, goals. Even if you take them out, like I just don't see how anyone could look at the way these teams fa- uh, matched up and how the way the game played out through ninety minutes. How could they could sit there and say, "Oh, there's a, there's a scenario where Columbus would have won the game"? And I'm not saying ten out of ten times Portland wins, but more often than not, Portland win, Portland wins that game. The matchups uh, fell in their favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you finally shut down Ethan Finley, I mean, it, 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 everything Portland wanted to do, they did. So I mean. Anyone who doesn't want to give them credit for that win, I'm sorry, but you're you're grasping at straws there. I agree. I mean, look, you just look at the stats. Columbus, one shot on goal. Portland, I mean, you could say, Ivis, I mean, look, if, if things weren't their way, they could have had four or five goals in this game. I mean, it's just there were times when the ball just couldn't go into the back of the net for them. I mean, the game could have been wide open for them, but it didn't. Hey. Columbus was able to keep it close to some, you know, fortunate defending in the box. But like you said, man, do Portland – Portland was just the better team. That's just what it came down to. They are the deserving champions, and credit to them, and credit to anyone out there who 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 believed that Portland was a good team from the beginning of the year all the way through the end of the year. That's a select group. That's a small group. I'm not going to you know name any names, but there are people who had their doubts about Portland for the most of the year. <coughs> Gert, um, I did, and, I did, and, and there were people who who actually saw them as being a good team even when they were struggling. Even when the breaks weren't going their way, even though when the goals weren't going in, there were people who thought they were still a good team and still a team capable of making things happen. 
like me. But uh, it was uh, it was still it was, it was a good final. And and I tell you what, don't hurt yourself too much, Ivis. Patting hey, yourself. On I, the back. Hey, all I'm saying is anyone who listens to this show can probably count. I don't know the dozens of times you've called, you've asked me why I still buy into Portland or why I still believe in Portland, why I still think they're good. Hey, there was a time when Portland was on the, I mean, they were facing a possibility of not making the playoffs. There there was a time. It's fine. Hey, it's fine. But you know what? Even when they were not getting the results, they were playing well. And that's the thing, like, that's the thing where where it was a little, it'd it'd be one thing if they were like playing terribly, not creating chances, they, they just looked lost. Like, no, they. I mean, there were a lot of games that you looked at it and you watched them play, and you're like, man, they were clearly the better team, but they just didn't get the result. And and now toward the end of the year, they started to play at their best and they yes. started to get the results. And and that's when we saw them really emerge as the best team in the league. And 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 before, and it's not even worth addressing almost, but there are going to be that subset of people that be like, oh, the regular season doesn't matter. You look at a team like Portland; they they get there and they get into the playoffs late, and then they find and then they get hot, and it's like that's such a, a silly way to look at it because when the regular season ended, Portland was tied for the third best record in the league, right? They did the Western Conference is tough. They, it was so the, the idea that you know yes they were out of playoff position as recently as mid October with like two weeks, two, three weeks to go in the season, <clears throat> there was some question if they'd make of whether or not they make the playoffs. But that was that was a product of how tough the West was and how deep the West was. Not, oh, you know, the playoff system is is messed up. But guess what? Portland turned it on late. They won some really tough games. They went to they went to Columbus and won. They went to LA and won. Uh, even RSL, they were, RSL, yeah, they were at Real, R- so like, RSL is a tough is a tough place to go play, and they won there. They won games they needed to win down the stretch. They got hot, and 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 they turned it on. And the thing is, the way the playoff format is now, there's a lot more games. You, there's a lot more hurdles you have to go through to get to win a championship. And let's not forget that they had to go through the or the the Sporting KC match with the crazy penalty shootout. Then they had to win two. Uh, series, two game series against higher seeds, and they did that. Mm-hmm. So they had to go through four separate hurdles: the the KC, uh, you know, play uh, first round game, the the Vancouver series, the FC Dallas series, and then they had to win in Columbus. So you know, as much as everyone can look at the regular season and say, oh, you know, the 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 team with the best record or the team with the second best record in the league, they didn't win, so it, it played, it, it, it diminishes the regular season. It's like, no, man, you ha- you know what? The regular season sets you up for the playoffs, but you still have to produce. You still have to play well and make the most of when you get in the playoffs. I mean, look at the Red Bulls. The Red Bulls didn't get it done against Columbus. They only have themselves to blame for that, and credit mm-hmm. to Columbus for outplaying them. <clears throat> FC Dallas, a similar situation. Both legs against Portland, they 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 were slow to get into those games, and Portland jumped on them in both the games. That's not Portland's fault. I mean, that's the, FC Dallas had their chance. There's no flukes there. Portland won deservedly. They won the final deservedly. They won the Western Conference Finals deservedly. You could say they had some luck, but you always need luck when you have these long playoff runs. They had a little luck in case these Saad Abdul Salam should get. Uh, a present from Portland. They should send them a nice, <laughs> a nice watch or a, you know a, an Xbox One, something. They, I, I, it's funny enough. I saw, I saw Saad Abdul Salam in, in, he was in Columbus for the final. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I'd love to talk to him just kind of about the whole thing, um, about that that penalty that will go down and infeat me. But uh, but yeah, you know Portland, they they deserved it, and <clears throat> I, I think. It's it's funny, you know. I'll get, you know, I'm going to give some credit to you. It's going to sound a little crazy. I'm going to give credit to Seattle fans in general 
because they're taking all the abuse right now. They're not. They're, they're just being quiet. And and what can you do? You have to be quiet. Your arch rival has won a championship. They're gonna go nuts. They're gonna. You you've heard the some of the derogatory comments aimed at Seattle, and they just have to take it. And you know what? The day will the day will come that they'll win their title. But for now, Portland Portland won won their first title. Like you said, man, it's winning an MLS Cup is not easy. A lot of things got to go your way, and sometimes certain calls have to go your way. That's just the reality. I mean, no team gets there without you know having a fortunate break or something going their way. But at the same time, I mean, look, you, you had to give credit to Portland. Last time they lost, October third, I and mean, they were outstanding last three games of the season. Enter the playoffs, didn't lose it, any games. They didn't lose any games. No, in the and that's the impressive uh, thing about Portland. Also, I mean, you talk about the team. Certain players stepping up at the right time, I mean, guys having good years, but you know, you know, and then you know, you got to increase your game when the playoffs start too. You got to take it to that next level too. A lot of guys in Portland did that. I mean, Portland, they all at the right time, the team came together, Ivis, and they all turned it on at the right time. I mean, that's what got them to the MLS Cup. Yep, yep. And you know what? Look, credit to Columbus. Columbus is a very good team. Uh, they're they're going to be back. I think they're going to be right in the mix next year, and they'll be. I think they'll be even better next year. Um, the final, just the way the final went, yes, did, did, were there some things that went Portland's way? Absolutely. There was the offside call that wasn't made where, where Tony Chani kind of stopped playing and, you know, the yeah, ball went out of bounds. Strange. It was a bad call. They blew it. The linesman missed the call. Tony Chani saw the ball go out of bounds and then he kind of stopped playing. And I, you know, definitely the Columbus Crew fans were all over that and, and pointing to that, how that changed the game and transformed the game. But you know what? I, I I I get it, right? I mean, I get it. It's it's terrible when a call goes against you. But they had every opportunity to stop that play, and you can't tell me that anyone's supposed to feel bad about a missed call at midfield that leads to a player dribbling at your attack and leads to multiple defensive breakdowns and then leads to a goal. Like I'm sorry. You are still to blame for that goal being scored. Mm-hmm. Both your fullbacks, both your fullbacks were beaten on that play. Uh, your midfield needed to close Nagby down. I know Chani was out of the play because, you know, he's the one who lost the ball and because he stopped playing. So there were multiple breakdowns on that play. Chani stopped playing. You never stopped playing. You never no. stopped playing. Now he says he heard a whistle. People saying they heard a whistle. You, you can't stop. You can't afford to stop playing. You can't. That's one. I'm not going to put it all on him. I'll put it more on the other players. Who the, it was clear that play continued, right? So Harrison Afua uh, lost his mark on the backside. Waylon Francis got beat on the front side with Lucas Milano. There were multiple breakdowns on that. That's why for me it's hard to feel to sit here and feel bad. It'd be one thing, right, if if uh, it were like a clear handball in the penalty area that denied a goal or a bogus penalty that leads directly to a goal a penalty kick goal I, those kind of things yes i mean i think those, those are more clear-cut like that's a travesty that that's putting a goal on the board that doesn't shouldn't be on the board mm-hmm. this wasn't that this was a bad call leading to a m- series of breakdowns by columbus players so i think that's why for me i don't think columbus was complaining that much at the end sure they were asked directly about it and they had their issues with it but Greg Berhalter was not sitting there taking the bait about officiating or about that missed call. He know he knows his guys didn't get the job done, yeah. and he's not going to make any excuses for it. And 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 neither should his players. Well, that's the thing with Columbus. I mean, they answered back about what ten minutes after that when I mean, Kai Kamara gets that goal that he had to work extremely hard for. So it's not like Columbus was down and out. 
you know, for the next 60, 50 minutes, they were at least able to answer back. But, I mean, you're right. Look, if you're a Columbus fan, I mean, those definitely first 10 minutes of the match, you definitely want to restart button. I mean, I mean, Portland came out aggressive. They came out hungry. Not saying that Columbus wasn't hungry, but, you know, Portland just came out the more aggressive side team, and, and they forced those turnovers. And you're right. Look, they- you can never stop ever. It's a championship game. You got to play through the entire whistle to multiple do 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 that's when you gotta stop stop and looking for a call i can't stand it when players do that that's just boggles my mind when guys do i'll tell you what and 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 by the way the columbus crew fans the, the, it was an amazing atmosphere it was great the columbus crew fans brought it the the, the uh, timbers fans obviously were amazing um but the scene after the second goal was was just ridiculous it was embarrassing when when the crew fans reacted to the second goal by just Oh, yeah. uh, showering uh, Timbers players. I don't know. I kind of liked it. Uh, nah, it's an ugly scene, man. You can't. You can't be. And I, get I saw it. that. It's I was like, "Who are you, Azteca?" Yeah, I know. It's an emotional reaction. Well, that's the thing. It's like you can't. We can't have that in American soccer. Because I don't know. Can we? If you have that, no, because if you have that happen, then you can't make fun of Mexican soccer anymore. You can't make fun of El Tri when their fans do it. Or you know any yeah friend, but yeah but huh? I think you can say that at least those didn't have you know any bodily fluids in yeah. those cups. Well, I mean you don't know. We didn't try. No, but <laughs> that's it, true. You know what? That's that was an ugly. Point. That was an ugly moment. That was an ugly moment. It, it, and and I get look, you're emotional. Your team's down, and now they're down two goals in the final, and you're like your world is it feels like it's ending, and you have these cans, and it's like I I I mean I get how you like you could kind of lose it there in the in an instant. But it's still ugly, man. It's still, it was embarrassing, um, and and uh, hopefully it's not it's not what you know anybody remembers that game for. But I just thought, I mean, it was a shame. It was a shame. I don't, I don't think it, they will really, remember that for. It, no, but they it, I, no, but it's still it marred an otherwise perfect day for crew supporters and for the final itself because you had it, it for me. And I say this, and I said this on Twitter that that was my 14th straight MLS Cup final mm-hmm. I've covered and. Hands down, hands down, best atmosphere uh, I've ever seen for a final. I mean, I, there, there's been some good ones that I can remember. Uh, obviously, it only recently went away from the neutral site uh, setup. So, obviously, it's only been a couple of years with the home fans. And then you had KC at home, and it was free. it was too cold for fans to get too crazy. Uh, and then LA is, you know, LA is always kind of laid back. Uh, but even in, back in the days in the neutral none of the – even New England, when New England hosted LA in 2002 – when it was like sixty thousand uh, in a, t- I think there was sixty thousand that day. Uh, the Patriots were on our buy, so it was it was perfect storm there. It worked out perfectly. They still lost to LA, but six. Even then, when they had sixty thousand, and in, in, I don't think it was Gillette then. I think I don't know what the stadium. It might have been Foxborough actually. Um, sixty thousand. That atmosphere was still not as good as the atmosphere in Columbus because the Crew fans were great and the Timbers fans. Look, it was there were what two thousand Timbers fans, mm-hmm. and they were I think they were at at, in, at times they were as loud. Oh yeah, definitely. As 19,000 Crew fans. Well, and it that, definitely helps when you're up two zero. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know what? Listen, man, I've seen I've seen Timbers fans in all in all situations support their team, and I will always I'll, and I'll always harken back to 2013 MLS Cup playoffs. They're they're eliminated by RSL. It, it was a disappointing end to what was a great season at that point. And even though their team had just gotten eliminated, Timbers fans, they 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 cheered their team in a way I had never heard a team get cheered. And that was after a loss. So I rem- I'll always remember that. And that's why when I remember that, like knowing that, remembering that 
is why the scenes after they won the scenes with the parade and the party and the and the greeting they got at the airport none of that surprises me man because you know what portland has a strong and deep passionate fan base uh you can definitely argue the the the, the best fan best fan base the best fan atmosphere in the league you can make that argument i know seattle people complain and question it or kc might argue but you can definitely make a case for portland uh, having some of the the most passionate fans, the, the the strongest group of passion fans in the league, and they've shown it. I was actually my only thing about the parade and the turnout. I was surprised the whole city wasn't there. I mean, I expected that many people. I literally expected like the whole city to turn out for that. I mean, wasn't it Portland's like first title in thirty years? I think. Yeah, but hey, look, the whole city. I mean, it's first of all, Portland as a city isn't like uh, it's not like New York where there's like nine million inhabitants. That's and, true. It was short notice. It was in the rain, and even in the rain, I mean, Providence Park had a pretty good turnout, turnout for that one, and it was uh, it was fun. I I I gotta say, I'm not. It's funny. I was. I remember as we were driving back from Columbus on Monday, Mm -hmm. definitely felt like, man, I wish I would have thought it out and planned it out and gone to Portland because I would love to have been in Portland just to experience all that. Uh, and and uh, you know just take that all in because you knew it was going to be a special a special atmosphere. I mean, I can't remember there ever being uh, a victory parade for an MLS Cup champion. I don't think that's ever happened before. So it's uh, you know it's well it's well deserved. And, and like you said, Portland played great. Uh, they had a lot of players step up and and play well. Obviously, Jorge Villafania, who was excellent, shut down. Oh, did he was money all playoffs long? He, he was. I mean, yeah. He, capped off a great playoffs with a final and and sh- and shut down Ethan Finley after Ethan Finley had made some comments he probably regrets now. Uh, you know, for those who missed it, I guess, earlier in the week, Ethan Finley, you know, pretty much was like, I like that matchup with the Afania. Uh, and, and that rubbed Portland the wrong way, man. They were not, I think I said in the last episode, they were not happy about that. And Viafania shut him down. And, and one of the funnier scenes for me is I'm talking to Viafania after the game and I asked him, I was like, how did it feel to have uh, Ethan Finley subbed out of this game, uh, early. he was subbed out early. He was subbed out in like the fifties or the early sixtieth, like with thirty minutes to go at least. Actually, more sixty third minute. Sixty third. So okay, twenty with twenty seven minutes left in a two one game. I know. A best eleven winger gets subbed out of the game, and Viafania. I, I mean, I think we're gonna have to plug the audio in it. Hopefully, we can plug the audio in of my of my inter- my question to Viafania because it was classic and his his reaction was he couldn't do anything and it and, and to be fair Viafania was a little probably drunk from, from the celebrate the champagne hey, celebration nothing, hey, nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that and, and Viafania you know he said he's like listen you, you should do your talking before the game um you know because you know because he got a little too happy with himself and 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 we had, what better way to respond to that than to go into his stadium and win the championship in front of his fans and watch him walk off uh, as an early sub substitute so Villafania was the big winner that day he wasn't the only one Diego Chara uh obviously Diego Valeri who won man of the match even though I thought Villafania was man of the match and then Rodney Wallace man yeah, Rodney, I know. Wallace. Rodney Wallace I gotta say this now there was a time when Rodney Wallace was not like where Portland Timbers fans were did not like Rodney Wallace. Nope. There was a time when Portland Timber fans were like, "Why is this guy on the team? Why is this guy like this guy's not any good?" And guess what? Caleb Porter came in, he found a place for him, and then he and he he really helped him blossom into the into a real impact player for them. And we're talking about a guy who tore his ACL in 2013, and. 
you know, had to battle back from to that, and and finally this year he's really kind of gotten back to his old self, and then he scores the winning goal in MLS Cup. I thought so that was that was great to see one of their original players battle through so much adversity mm-hmm. and and enjoy that. Well, the point, I mean, Rodney Wallace, think about this. He played 1,978 minutes this year. That was his most since his rookie season in 2009. It's a yeah, long man. time. It's a long time, man. Yeah, he's, I mean, and look, that's, a, it, and getting back to Caleb Porter, I mean, this really, Caleb Porter deserves so much credit for what he, the way the way he built this team um, and and the belief he continued to have in, in his team, even when, even when times were not, times were tough, even though, I mean, I remember, uh, before they beat RSL, you know, he there was talk about, oh, is, is his job in danger and this and that. And I mean, I, you know, my, my sources in Portland, oh. my sources in Portland always made it clear. Look, he's he's not going anywhere. This is like, it's just you know, Timber fans getting antsy about missing the playoffs. But uh, it all came together, man. And uh, it, it's great to see for for a city that obviously supports that that team so strongly and. Now we now we'll see what they have for an encore, right? Because it's going to be pretty hard to top that, that that celebration. Another guy I want to point out is Nat Borchers. I mean, that guy was hungry for a goal, Ivis. He he had a good game as well. Outstanding, and I, you know what's funny? We we as we were riding back from Columbus, we uh, we, I was riding back with the SBI crew. We listened to our MLS predictions show, and we didn't get a lot right in that. <laughs> uh, there weren't a lot of good picks. Uh, you you did pick Javinko for newcomer of the year, so hats off to you. How hard that was, was that? I, hey, you were the only one. Uh, uh, we, Franco and I both picked a car, so you got us on that one. But one pick that I like, uh, one pick that I was pretty feeling pretty good about. Even though, I mean, he didn't win it, but my defender of the year pick was Nat Borchers, and I said it when I said he he is exactly what they needed. He was exactly the guy to help them turn around. Yep. Their big issue was, which was defensively. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, he he was a beast. He was a beast. Him and Ridgewell were excellent. Oh, Diego, yeah. just I'm mean, just from the leadership standpoint that bringing right. them in and, and helping show. I mean, I mean, I mean, I just think about us talking about Portland the last two years and everything was defense, this defense, that new guy here, new guy next week. This guy's done for the season. I mean, it was a revolving door for Portland for about two years. Right. I mean, they had Paparato didn't start out well for them. Uh, and and that Borchers really solidified everything yeah. for them, and that, and that was a big one for them. But Dave, we can't, we got to talk about Diego Chara because Diego Chara, his role in the playoff run was was unbelievable. Uh, just playing that lone defensive midfield role, he just became a lockdown player there. Uh, a big reason for for their ability to shut down some some of the better playmakers in in, in the league. So 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 it, it, I mean, there's not many guys who didn't contribute, right? I mean, every every player. Uh, I feel like every player stepped up their game in this what nine game unbeaten streak to close out the year. So credit credit to them, credit to Caleb Porter. And one last one: How about Gavin Wilkinson? You want to talk about people who were under fire uh, back in the day? I mean, let's not let's not forget now. Twenty twelve uh, was it twenty twelve twenty thirteen when uh, they fired John Spencer. Gavin Wilkinson comes in as an interim coach. They obviously continue to lose. And fans wanted Gavin Wilkinson fired. They wanted him gone. They wanted no part of him anymore. They they thought, oh, you know, actually it was 2012. They wanted Gavin Wilkinson fired. That was the consensus. Fans were upset, unhappy. And he he was already unpopular in, in some circles in Portland, like even previous to that. Uh, we're going pre-MLS. But, but it really came to a head in 2012. And credit to Merritt Paulson. Who backed him every at every at every turn, and and even on Twitter, there's you if you dig hard enough, you can find a tweet 
from Merritt Paulson where he said, you know, where he pretty much was like, look, Gavin Wilkins is not going anywhere. And for all the people who are against him, uh, you'll be lining up to kiss his ass when we win a cup. And here we, <laughs> and here we are three years later, and they have won MLS Cup. And uh, I don't know where the line starts, but I wonder where those people are who were, were questioning Gavin Wilkinson and wanted him fired because <laughs> obviously uh, it was a good thing that they didn't fire him. I got an image in my head of like people lining up to kiss his ass. Horrible. You know what's funny? I got to point this out. And it's funny. And it is so Twitter. Like, a, like a, a red carpet. Is I know. Out. It's such a Twitter thing, though. But I, I dug it. I, so I dug into this, right? And I looked at the tweet. I looked at the people who kind of responded to the tweet. And it's funny how the people who are the most vocal, at least on Twitter, about Wil- Wilkinson uh, and how he should go, they've all faded and disappeared from Twitter in the last – I don't know, three, four months. They've all they've all gotten into witness protection. And that's always how it goes, right? Of course. Who are so emotional about their, having these opinions and are so volatile and so negative, uh, basically the troll-level uh, individuals. It's funny how they disappear into, into hibernation when things go not the way they expected them to go. Hi, Wives. Now that the season is over, the offseason officially begins for the Portland Timbers. And the Columbus crew in Portland, already busy. Um, we were talking about him for a while, and I wonder, Ivis, if he's going to have a January call-up. But Jorge Viafana, as good as he was for Portland, they sold him for just under, I think, Ivis, am I correct, seven figures to Santos Laguna. I mean, what, what? why did Portland have to make this move? Well, it, it's, I mean, it, it comes down to this, right? The, the game, it's a business, and... It, it, it's so many different. It's not as simple as okay, you know, you have your starting eleven. Uh, you keep try to you can keep them in a league where there's a salary cap. There's always a juggling going on. There's always, uh, uh, you know, when do you move guys? Is, is is a player at a certain value where you sell them and you're selling them when his price is at its highest? Right now, Viafania has interest in Mexico, and Portland sees this opportunity to sell them and make some money back. And talk about a return on an investment. I mean, here's a guy that was considered a throw-in by some uh, in the in the trade. It was Andrew. It was Andrew John Baptiste for Viafania and a and 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 a, a spot in. I think it was the reentry draft that was used to draft Steve Zakawani. And obviously Zakawani at the time it was thought, okay, that's Portland wanted Zakawani. They're getting Zakawani, but it was but Viafania turned out to be the steal of that that trade. Yeah especially the way he came on this year and he emerged as one of the best left backs in the league. But right now you kind of have to strike while the iron iron's hot. If you have a team offering you a million dollars, if you're Portland, you're kind of looking at that. And, and you also have to respect the fact that look, Mia Fania, you, sh- you, you're sure. I'm sure that playing in Mexico is a dream. I'm sure that having that opportunity to make major money in Mexico is a dream. And, and as a team, you want to kind of, you don't want to stand in the way of that. So if you can, you know, get paid and also help your player realize his dream, then you kind of do it. You kind of it's a business. But, you know, at the same time, you, you know, you want to do right by your players. And, and and I think it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing. I know some people look at it and say, oh, this is tragic. Why can't why can't MLS teams keep their best players? Um, it's a case by case thing. And I think they just looked at it and they say, you know what? It's on us now to go f- develop the next guy. 
right? It's on Caleb Porter to figure out who he's going to put at left back next, who he's going to develop into a top-notch fullback next. Is it going to be Taylor Taylor? Is it Pay Taylor Pay? Is it going to be Andy Toma, who was a, 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 a highly regarded left back prospect in last year's draft? I mean, they got some guys that they could they could potentially groom into that spot. But that's the business: you sell, and then you have to develop the next guy. Just like if FC Dallas sells Fabian Castillo, they're going to have to bring in or find the next guy who maybe will cost less, but they can hope can groom into being a replacement. So it, it's just. That's how it is all over the world, right? I mean, unless you're like the very elite, unless you're Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, you know, PSG, or, or these teams that are that have like unlimited budgets, you're it, you. That's the business. Uh, you're in that business of of developing, of selling, moving players on, replacing those players. That's just that's just what it is, right? And it's unfortunate, um, especially when you're talking about a team just winning a championship. But that's not a new thing in MLS. That's been a thing in MLS for 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 years. Of championship teams that end up having to not, not necessarily getting broken up, but it, you, it's hard to keep those teams together because success leads to higher salaries, which leads to uh, an untenable uh, salary cap situation. Because when your team does well, your players get more money, they get bonuses, they get they, they get new deals, and eventually you have to pick you have to pick your spots. You have to decide, okay, who can we afford to get rid of? Who can't? Who do we absolutely not want to get rid of? And in this situation, they looked at Viafania and said, "You know what? We have to. We have to sell." Well, for the rest of Portland, though, Ivis, I mean, doesn't Marie Paulson just seem primed to go out and just land a big name? I mean, come on! After winning the cup, don't you want to see them land someone pretty big? Just to you know, kind of let the league know that we're serious. Well, I tell you what, Paulson is not going to stop. Paulson is uh, the, this. He's, he's got a taste of this success. They got that first cup, and, and I'm sure he's going to want to continue to win. And we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later about some of the, the new mechanisms MLS is putting into place. But let's just say that Portland will be able to go out and get players to make this team stronger. And now they're the defending champions. They're going into CONCACAF Champions League next year. I'm sure they're going to be – they that's the next step for them is they, they, they don't want to end there. They want to try to have success on the international front. So – uh, it's going to be fun to see what they do with that team, how they, how Gavin Wilkinson, how Caleb Porter and, uh, and, and Merritt Paulson uh, continue to make that team better. And I think they're going to get better because think about it. Lucas Milano, he will be much better next year. And he, he already was turning it on late in the playoffs. He was starting to kind of come around. Yeah, Alvis, yeah, how, about, how about him starting the final, Ivis? No, that, yeah, that was, that was, there you go. Credit, credit there. He, I mean, that was a good, he, he scored that goal against Dallas. So you kind of, could see that, but he'll be better next year. Alvis Powell, I think, will be better next year. I mean, what is he? Twenty twenty one. He's he's still a kid, but he's such a freak. He's such a beast. He's a guy who I think you just give him a couple more years, and he, Europe will definitely start calling for him. Um, so those guys are going to get better. Nagby's I think is going to get better, and he's really hit his hit his stride. And you wonder how long they could keep him if he keeps playing like that. So they, they're going to be back next year, and I think they could be even stronger depending on what they do in the in the international market. Well, for the Columbus Kurivas, when you look at them, I mean, they have the attacking pieces. Kai Kamara, Ethan Finley, Justin Miram. Do you have Will Trapp, Tony Chani? Uh, I mean, the defense is pretty solid as well. I mean, what, what does Columbus do this offseason? That's a good question. It's tough to say because it's, like you said, I mean, they're pretty they're a pretty strong team as it is. It's not like they have a, a lot of weaknesses that you could kind of point to and say, okay, this needs to get clearly better. And I think, you know, some people will say goalkeeper. Um, I, I personally think Steve Clark's not bad. I think he's a good goalkeeper. I think he made a mistake, obviously, 
in that game. But I mean, if you want to say, okay, maybe they'll go get a goalkeeper who who is a little better suited for their possession style. Uh, obviously, Clark has adapted and he's he's gotten into that whole possession game and he's he's blows away the league the league's other goalkeepers in in all the passing stats. But he, yeah, I think even he would tell you that that like he's not naturally that that kind of goalkeeper. Um, who's a distributor and who's super comfortable with the ball at his feet. He's obviously gotten more comfortable. So uh, is goalkeeper maybe a position they looked up? Great. That's a possibility. Um, but I think the group that they have, you keep that group together and, and they're yeah. going to try. I mean, I know they're going to lose uh, Jack McInerney most likely. I don't know if he's going to resign there. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, you want to keep the team. You, kind of, you, you They have to like their team, right? They played really well. They started figuring, figuring things out in the second half of the season. Um, I think what you were looking at next is, is to try to bring in a couple of younger guys uh, to help groom into being replacements down the road for, you know, Federico, Federico Higuain's not getting any younger. Um, you look at, you know, guys like Chani and Trapp who could at some point start drawing interest from Europe. So it's a, it's all it's it's all a, it's all a cycle. And just like with Viafani in Portland, at a certain point, the crew might find themselves in that situation where they have to move somebody. And, and you want to continue to continue to cultivate that depth. Where would you what would you buy if you're OK, you're Greg Berhalter for what would you what would you what would you go? We'll be at the top of your shopping list if you're Greg Berhalter. I don't know. That's the thing, because, you know, when you look at look, Kai Kamara, you don't need an upgrade there. Will Trap don't need an upgrade there. Tony Chani. Look, he was great in the playoffs. Can he keep it up for the entire season? I mean, he's a good player, but can he keep it up? Okay, maybe you can justify and, an upgrade there. Justin Merrim. Justin I mean, Justin Merrim, you can upgrade. See, but that's, upgrade a, see, but Justin is, is, that's a weird one, Ivis, because as much as I want to say that you could use an upgrade, I feel like just based off what he's proved the last two years that, you know, like if you try to upgrade him, then it will like curse the team for whatever reason. Nah, I, don't I know that sounds that. crazy, but... He's a good player, I mean, but I he's, not an, he's not an elite. That. He's no, not I an elite. Player. And I, can, elite. I mean, look, then fine. Then if Justin Miram's the first guy if you're off the bench, then I think you're doing pretty good. So I think you could justify one there. Higuain, don't need an upgrade there. Finley, don't need an upgrade there. Waylon Francis, no. Michael Parkhurst, no. I mean, maybe the defense. I mean, Columbus doesn't really have to go do much unless they come in and bring in someone, Ivis, from Europe, you know, who, who, you know, who played, you know, the top level for an upgrade. But, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, Columbus... They, there's really not much they need to do. I mean, there's right. things they can do, but nothing keep, like... Right. Just keep, they don't have to do anything too no. dramatic. They can keep this group together. Could they add one more attacking piece? Yeah, you yes. could. I think they could. I think if they can go get uh, a high-end guy to, to, to help boost them on the wings, then then do that. I mean, I don't think that's a... I think that's a good a good place to start. And also maybe some depth in in, in, uh, in central defense because obviously you have Parker Cesaro, but after that, I think there's a... I know Tyson Wall did okay at times, but I think you could maybe use an upgrade there. Uh, a fool was excellent. I think a fool with a full year could be one of the best right backs yeah. in MLS. So um, they're they're going to be okay, man. They're going to be right there in the East in uh, next year. They could be the. I think for me, if you're asking me who's going to be the number one team next year, I mean obviously we don't know who teams are going to buy or or how teams are going to look next year because things change so so much. But Columbus is going to be right near the top. They're going to be one or two in the East. It's hard to see them not being one or two in the East. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think for Columbus, you know, as much as we talked about their bench being good, I mean, look, it's one thing, you know, you're bringing off Chris Clute off the bench, Jack McInerney. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, Columbus can go out and maybe bring in another Ford who can't come off the bench, which, look, Jack McInerney coming off the bench isn't a bad thing, but he, but he's not a guy, Ivis, that is known to get – I mean, he, look, he needs to start games to score his goals. 
He's not a guy who's going to come off the bench and score 10 goals for you for the entire season. So, I mean, if you can find a guy like that that can that can fill that role, you know, to find goals last 10 minutes of the match coming nah, off the hey, bench, let, Columbus can no, use that. Listen, listen, listen. If, you, if he's willing to sign and be the backup to Kai Kamara, you do that. I'm sorry. I don't mm. – I, I, I have no problem with him coming back. I think he's a good forward. I think he's someone who, you know what, if you ever have Kai Kamara have an injury or international duty, McInerney steps right into the lineup. Although I think I don't see McInerney coming back. I think he's going to try to, you know, look at his options, whether it's overseas or, or you know, he's a free, he, he's free. He's a, he's not under contract and he's young and he, you know, he scored, he scored a, a pretty good amount of goals at his age. So I think he's someone who's going to, who's going who's gonna to leave. So if you're Columbus, you definitely need to find somebody who who can give you something off the bench, and, and it's not always easy to find as at the forward position. No, you're not. I agree, you're not. And the thing is, I mean, the off season for Columbus and Portland. I mean, what you got? What fifty days till preseason starts? Not a lot of time. I mean, <laughs> fifty days. Oh my gosh, crazy. Preseason's shorter and shorter. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, Ivis, we'll we'll talk about Columbus pulling the rest of the teams. As the offseason progresses, lots of league news coming out this week. Expected, of course, with the MLS Cup. Some 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 good news if you're a city that still has hopes for becoming an MLS franchise as the MLS Board of Governors has approved the league expanding to 28 teams. Originally at 24, now the league is going to 28 teams, which leaves four cities now, Ivis, with chances at hosting their own uh, MLS franchise is the league expanding too fast? I, I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, well, well, the, four more teams already. Well, there's no timetable yet. I mean, the league they, the league has not announced the timetable. All the league has done is say, yes, we are definitely going to have 28 teams. It didn't say, oh yes, we're going to have them by 2019 or 2020. Like, there's no there's no timetable yet. But all it's really done is is just kind of put that line in the sand that, yes, we are definitely going to expand. The fact that they've approved this now does make it feel like it's going to happen maybe a little sooner than people had expected. There's always been this kind of assumption that there would be a sizable gap between Team 24 joining and then Team 25 joining. And I think the issue with that has been the fact that we've had a market emerge in Sacramento. Exactly. That is ready to go. They're ready to go now. They're re- I, they're more ready and and I know some people will argue but they're more ready than Minnesota. They're more ready than the other LA team. They're more ready than Miami. So, I mean, they could be team 22 if they wanted it to be. I mean, but they have to wait. They have to wait because MLS is already established that Minnesota is going to get their team, LA is going to get their team, and Miami they're holding out and they're holding out hope that Miami's going to get it all together. So, if anything, this this announcement, uh, you know, it makes Sacramento feel a lot better about everything they're putting into their efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, how long do you make them wait? I mean, I, I, I was I, I had a, I wrote a story about that about the Sacramento group, and I had a chance to meet with them uh, the morning of MLS Cup, actually, or the day yeah uh, hours before MLS Cup, and and they're ready to go now. I mean, they could build they can have shovels in the ground by the fall. They can have their stadium built and ready to go by 2018. And how long are you going to make them wait uh, when you have a, a situation in Miami where, you know, who knows when they're going to start building? They only recently moved to uh, a, a new a new site for their stadium project. They 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 a proposed stadium project site. It, it's still not approved. It's still early stages. So, 
uh, it, it's good to see, but not, it's not a surprise. I mean, I think we all knew 28 was going to eventually happen. So I think we need to wait for the actual timetable when MLS announces the timetable. And then I think we can kind of then really get, get into some, some conversations about how fast the league is. Uh, well, it could be fast. I mean, look, you, you have Sacramento's 25, right? You could say San Antonio, 26. You could throw them in there. Oh, settle down. Look, when it I'm comes down serious. to it. When it comes down to it, nobody at, nobody other than Sacramento is even close to ready. In terms, so I mean, they all need years, multiple years, to get their acts together. I mean, just because, San Antonio, like their group, is not even close to having anything ready to go to to get really rolling to have. So th- there's only one twenty five, and for me, that's Sacramento. Unless Sacramento jumps ahead of Miami, because that's still possible. That's still <laughs> that a- would be interesting. Well, here's the thing, man. The stadium in Miami is not a done deal I know, yet. I know. It's because they found a new site. I mean, there's still issues with that site that need to be addressed and worked out. So, you know, as much as it was good news for Miami that they got away from uh, the little Havana area where they were clearly facing obstacles with selling, with buying the land there, um, Sacramento doesn't have any of these problems. Sacramento has the land. They have the city support, the city approval. They're ready to go. They they have a team that's already kind of has a structure. They play. They have a team in USL, so they already. I mean, they know how to run a team. Like get them in already. So that's where I think it's like you know. I, I think if anything, maybe we'll get to twenty five, and then there'll be a, a little bit of a break. But uh, for me, I want to see what's going on with Miami because Sacramento. How long do you make Sacramento wait? How long do you make them wait? Because for me, they have everything they need. So why are you waiting? They have the fan base. They have a team there already. They have a stadium that can get built in two years, right? Like, get it done. Get them in the league already. Stop playing around. Well, speaking of Miami Ivis, good news is that David Beckham and his group have found a new spot for a stadium. So I know that deadline was approaching that MLS kind of put on, not not MLS put on them, but you know Miami had to have something at least concrete to show Major League Soccer that this is actually happening. So good news in Miami as of right now that, they have a stadium location. Once again, I'll believe it when shovel is in the ground, but at least it's at least it's good news, Ivis. Well, that's the thing. It remains to be seen. I mean, if if they can get that going uh, and there aren't any new obstacles that get in the way of that, uh, from from what we've heard, I mean, it seems like it's a really good site. Like it's a possibility. If they're able to build the stadium there, it, it wouldn't be a bad location at all. Uh, it's a pretty convenient location to, to, to where they want to be. Uh, I know Franco likes that location, Franco Panizo. He he actually was talking up that location uh, before they moved to it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if Miami can get it done. But again, if there if there wind up being any more delays, then you got to start asking yourself. I mean, why are you going to let this Sacramento bid uh, rot when it's ready to go now? It's fresh. It's ready now. And maybe it won't be ready in a year. Maybe maybe it'll lose steam in a year. Um, or two, or however long you make them wait. Um, if they're ready for 2018, 2019, are you really going to make them wait till 2020, 2021, when they have a group, when they have everything in place now in 2015? I think that'd be, I think that'd be a big mistake. And I think at the end, it could end up blowing up in their faces. I know. I'm sure Don Garber and the rest of the guys at the uh, at the at the main office of Major League Soccer had their fingers crossed. Speaking of. Major League Soccer and the main office. Ivis, on Wednesday, they announced a $37 million investment and targeted allocation money 
that will also go towards homegrown player funds for next season and the 2017 season. $37 million. That's a big deal. I mean, is this a big deal, Ivis, or is it just more hot air from the league office? $37 million (laughs) is not hot air, my friend. It's a a real deal. It's a real tangible uh, upgrade, uh, upgrade of of the salary budget, of of the money that they have to spend. And Here's what it boils down to, because I, I know it's such a convoluted thing, and and I know like the, for the layman, uh, for people who aren't fully versed in all the insides and ins and outs of of, of, of MLS policy and MLS rules, it, what it boils down to is this: new money can be used to sign uh, higher level players that aren't quite that high, at that DP level, the the multi million dollar level types. It, it's meant to help boost the number of of that kind of upper middle class type player because obviously you have your dps who are your guys who are making you know multi multi-million insane dollars money. insane money compared to the rest uh of the or even like the lower end uh, uh you know the, the one million and up let's just say one million and up and also then you have your kind of higher end guys like you know sasha questions mixed disputes who are making dp level money but who you know are, are making under a million uh, and then you have that that kind of group underneath that of you know four or five players who who are who are you know really make up the spine of a team, uh, and MLS wants to upgrade that particular group of, fan, of players. They they want uh, you know they look at their players and how they their teams and how they match up with Mexico. And you can argue yes, when it comes to the top end guys, MLS MLS's top end guys are as good as Mexico. But then when you get down on in, in the starting lineups. Uh, players one through three or MLS may, may have as strong or stronger, but then when you get down to four, five through eight, it's a, it's a runaway where Mexico just has more quality there. And then what MLS wants to do now with this money is is give teams the resources to upgrade those that that area, that range of player, four to eight, four to seven. Uh, so then all of a sudden now you're talking about having seven to eight guys who are making more money than than the top guy ten years ago in MLS. So. It's a positive thing. It's definitely good news, and and I know people are going to make fun of the fact that oh, this is this is another LA Galaxy rule because it helps them keep Omar Gonzalez, and uh, and I know it's it's easy. That's the easy joke, right? But you know what? This is good for everybody because if your team wants to spend money, this is going to help them spend money. And if your team isn't looking to spend money, like big money, then you can trade that. You can trade your targeted allocation money and go get yourself. A veteran MLS player, you can stack like do like DC United does and stack up on veteran MLS players. So there's multiple ways to approach it, um, but the the most important thing is it should help rosters get stronger. Also starting is MLS free agency, the first ever class of free agency. And I was looking at the list. You know, you have some guys that have been around the league a few times, some guys that would be some great fits for team. Uh, I mean, this, this is an interesting. I mean, it's the first ever class, but there, there's some interesting names on, on this list. You know, Mike McGee, Alan Gordon, Ned Grabavoy. I mean, there, there's there's some names on this list where, where teams could pick up these guys and and guys can come in and, and fill some crucial roles for some teams. Right. No, there's some quality there. there there's definitely some quality there. Uh, one player who's on that who was on the initial list, but who apparently is not going to be a free agent is Ricardo Clark. Um, it sounds like he has resigned with Houston uh, or is plans on resigning with Houston. But when you want to talk about Mike McGee, Justin Matt, Ned Grabovoy, um, there's some quality there. There's some players who could definitely start on multiple teams out there. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how teams uh, approach this and how they how they go after these players, how they how, how they try to woo them, 
You already had Rob Heineman tweeting at, at Map and McGee. He wants both of them. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, uh, so we'll see. We'll see how the, how these how it plays out with these teams. And, and you know, they're, they're not the only players on the market. Let's just make that clear. Um, but it is funny that these guys are completely not tied to anyone. They can go where they want. Yeah. You can look at a guy like Mike McGee. I mean, when he's healthy, the guy is still a goal scorer. He's still a good player. He's someone who can start for most teams. Where does he go? And I know, uh, you know, I don't think he's not going to go back to LA. I think they don't have the money to, to bring him in. Um, then where where could he end up? He, could, he, he there's plenty of teams who could use a Mike McGee. So so we'll see, man. We'll see we'll see where these guys go. And on Friday, the MLS re-entry draft is happening. 59 players are eligible. Teams always don't have to select the players. They can pass, but they can pick these players. Same thing, Ivis says, free agency. Look, there's some interesting names on here. Mauro Rosales, Tali Hall, some veteran guys. I mean, guys that some teams could go out and bring in. Same thing, fill some crucial roles. Well, so now that now that all of these guys, uh, well, all except one, Michael Azura was the only player taken in the stage one portion of the re-entry draft. For those who are unaware, Basically, if you go in the stage in stage one of the reentry draft, then MLS teams have to sign have to sign you at whatever your contract number is um, that of your of the contract you have already. Uh, however, it, if you pass through that and you go into the second phase, then you know teams can just negotiate a new contract with you, so um, they're not tied to paying you your old contract. But yeah, no, there's quite a bit of talent here. I don't know about Mar Rosales. I mean, he's an older player. I mean, I I don't know if he's a guy. Uh, for me, a guy like Stephen Betashore. I think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Vancouver is is working to, to resign him or what. But he he's excellent. I mean, I think he's a guy who could help. Um, I'd say uh, just looking at the list. Who, who do you like? I mean, I don't know. Oscar Bonier Garcia is a guy. Here's who I, here's who I like. I like Robbie Finley. Let's see who no. else Yeah, you like him because he's like, Arizona. What like, does he do? I like what Tommy, does he give you, I like really? Tommy Meyer. I like uh, – who else do I like on here? Oh, I like uh, Lovell Palmer. I love him. Yeah, you you would not make a good GM. To, <laughs> uh, I'm not liking your picks at all. I mean, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Um, Max Rudy, I think, is a guy who, you know, he he, he looked good in the playoffs. He's a, he's, a, he's a pretty decent player. For me, Chris Schuler. Now, there's a guy. He can't stay healthy. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, but if he but, were able to stay when, healthy, but when he is healthy, <laughs> when he's healthy, he's outstanding. So I mean, you know what? He's a guy who I would if, take a flyer on him. I would absolutely take a flyer on him. I would take. I, I would try to sign. I would try to get Stephen Betashore. Um, let's. Uh, who else is on here? But yeah, Oscar Bonier Garcia. I know he's not. He hasn't quite looked like the player that he looked like a couple years ago. So there has been a drop off there. But I think he's a guy who still has something. Uh, who who can still give you something? Kevin Alston. I know Kevin Alston. Uh, you know he, he he's a guy. He, he obviously had the battle, uh, but he's battling battling illness. But you know he's back, and I think he could give you something. So there's some talent here, man. There's some talent. What about your boy Roy Roy Miller? <laughs> Roy Miller. I think Roy Miller is going to go back to, uh, to to Costa Rica. I think he could uh, he could join. Uh, I don't know if Blast Press signed, but if Blast Press did sign with Saprisa. Uh, and they're building up their kind of like MLS all-star team down there. <laughs> and Saprisa with uh, Blas Perez, Jaime Pinedo. Uh, you could get add Roy Miller to that. I think I think he can go back. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking at the list. and It's not super deep. No, uh, it's not. But, but, there's but, some, but there's some guys on there, though. Here's a name. I'll tell you what. Michael Nanchoff is a guy who 
But I've heard some things about. Now he hasn't played at Portland, right? But I've heard great great things about him as a as someone who's looked excellent in training and someone who maybe if they can avoid him being picked up, maybe we'll bring him back. Um, but I don't know. Maybe someone will take a flyer on him. Orlando City also making news this past week. Uh, general Manager Paul Badano is out. He will no longer be with the uh, with the club. Ivis, what does this mean for Orlando? Well. It's not a surprise uh, because – not because he hasn't done a good job, but because once they hired a – what was the title they came up with? Chief Soccer Officer. Um, they, they hired the Portuguese uh, former Benfica official to be, be kind of the head of soccer for them, someone who was hired and placed above McDonough in the pecking order. I mean, once that happened, you kind of knew – like you kind of had the feeling that – McDonough wasn't going to stick around much longer because it's like, you know what? He was hired. He brought in. He was brought in to run the team. And all of a sudden, now they put someone above him. Um, it wasn't a great situation for him. So it's not a surprise that he, he ended up parting ways with the team. Uh, I know some Orlando fans have been, have been you know, aren't, weren't necessarily happy with the job he did. But I thought he did a good job. I thought, number one, he was the number one advocate for Kyle Aaron, for drafting Kyle Aaron. Um, as far as I understand it, in the people who kind of in the, were in that decision-making process, he was the biggest proponent uh, for drafting Laren, and, and they ended up drafting Laren. And obviously, Laren was rookie of the year and was unbelievable. So that right there is a big one for them. Uh, I did like the trades that he made. Uh, I thought he made some good trades. Um, so I mean, for me, I thought he did a good job. And and what is in, what will be interesting to see is how Orlando City will operate now that they have a guy in charge who really doesn't have a whole lot of knowledge of how MLS operates. So we'll see. I mean, this could be, you know, everyone talks about foreign coaches and, and how they do. And, you know, Vieira gets hired and everyone rips NYCFC. But look, Orlando just handed the or the running of their organization to a guy who doesn't really know the league. So, you know, we'll see how they do. We'll see how Adrian Heath does without, without the support of someone who really knows the league. So, uh, I don't know. I don't. I mean, if you're asking me to bet on it, whether it's a good or bad move, I think it's going to be a bad move. All right, Avis. We need to go overseas now and talk Americans abroad. We have plenty of good news to talk about. Fabian Johnson continues to be lights out in Germany the past couple of weeks. He scored against Bayern Munich, set up a couple goals against Man- against Manchester City in the Champions League. I, I know he's not playing the position. Uh, for Borussia Mönchengladbach that he plays for the U.S. men's national team. Regardless, though, Ivis, Fabian Johnson has just been money the last couple of weeks. He's been on fire, man. He's been red-hot magma. Um, magma. And, <laughs> that, yeah. I don't think anyone's... <laughs> that's my Dr. Evil. I don't think I've ever... <laughs> magma. That's, a, that's my Dr. Evil word. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Robbie Johnson's been out, out, outrageous, man. It's been crazy. And Mochi Gladbach's been on fire. I mean, I know they lost to Man City today, but before that, they had a, a I don't even know how long their winning streak had been or their unbeaten streak. For them to not, to, for them to beat up Bayern Munich, I mean, that, I know, I know some people might have been surprised by that, but I mean, Johnson is just on fire and it's great to see. And you know what? It just means that hopefully, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann has now been convinced to keep Fabian Johnson in the attack whenever it's time to bring him back. So, uh, he is just so good. He's so good. He's too good. He's too good to pl- uh, to play at fullback, even though he's the team's best right back, left back, left winger, right winger. You'd probably be, probably be the team's best attacking midfielder if you needed him to play there. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. You just hope he stays this hot 
all the way into Copa America because you're going to need him playing like that if the U.S. is going to have any chance in Copa America. Of course he's going to stay hot, Ivis. I mean, he's, he's going to transfer over to Barcelona come the winter transfer window. Come on. You know, you think that's funny, but they, they were they were apparently... I, I know uh, they were, but... He was on the radar at one point. I know, we, I know, I know. I was like, you know, I don't know, he was probably low on their list, but he was on their radar, so... You wonder, though, you wonder how, how like, if he keeps this rolling all I the know. way into the summer, who, who comes calling for him? Who makes the, you know, who, who, who calls him? So, yeah, we'll see. I know, I know. Also, in Germany, Julian Green, Ivis played for Bayern Munich for the first time in two months. It was a Champions League match. Before you get excited about that and say, yes, Champions League, Bayern Munich had the group already wrapped up. Regardless, though, I mean, look, Julian Green, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, I just had to let that be known. Regardless, though, I mean, they could have picked anyone else. They picked Julian Green, played in the game, didn't play much, but he did play. I mean, I take that as a as a nice step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a payoff for hard work. Um, I don't I don't think uh, Pep Guardiola would put him on the field if he didn't like what he sees from exactly. him. Exactly. So uh, I know people I know some people will snicker and be like, oh, it's it, it, this game doesn't mean anything. They they've already qualified. They'll throw anybody out there. Like, listen, man, this is Bayern Munich, right? This is FC Bayern. They they're even you know they they're not just going to toss anyone out there. You know they they they're going to toss people out there that they believe in. So. Clearly, they 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 like what they see. They see something special, and they, and and they want to uh, continue to cu- they want to continue to cultivate that. So you know mm-hmm. what? I, I'll be the first to say that I had had my doubts about would he get any kind of chances with the first team, and and this is something this is something to build on. I mean, not to say that he did a lot in the game, but it's still a po- a very positive sign that they saw enough of enough in him to put him on the field. All right, Ivis, bringing it back stateside, the U.S. women's national team, if you missed this, they had a game in Honolulu, that's Hawaii, that got canceled because the turf, if you can see the pictures, was absolutely terrible. It was embarrassing for the women to play on that, which you know continues to bring up the conversation that the women are second fiddle behind the men. I mean, but to have a game canceled for the U.S. women's national team, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's embarrassing, Ivis. It's a joke. It was a joke. They dropped the ball. There's no other way to say it. Uh, you know, they 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 normally go and inspect the venues that their teams are going to play in, mm-hmm. and I, I know for a fact they do it with the men's national team. They travel out uh, well in advance. They go and they go, you know, wherever it may be. I mean, if they're going to play in Germany, they're going to play in Netherlands. They go and check out the venue. They go check out the city uh, for, for for logistical uh, planning. Uh, and in this instance, they just skipped it. They just kind of like rubber stamped it. They're like, oh, it's got to be okay. They're going to play the Pro Bowl there in January. So. Why would you skip that trip to Hawaii? Uh, that's that, a good that question. That I don't get. That's a good question. I like, don't know. Out of all places, like, yeah, let's not go to Hawaii, but let's go to this country where it's freezing. <laughs> I don't know. You got me. You got me. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Now this mistake is going to probably cost them a lot of money because they're already they're getting sued. Uh, fans, are, fans are filing lawsuits. Uh, obviously, you have people who probably – Traveled to the island to go see the game, or or had already made plans, or booked hotels, and and all this and that. So uh, you know what, you have to you have to make them all. You have to they they're gonna have to pay these people because you know what, it, you know for these people to plan. I mean, you can't make up the loss of the game, but you can definitely make up the loss of the money that these people spent to 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 go su- support this team. And you know what, at the end of the day, I mean, I. <laughs> This victory tour, like, let, like, it's, 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 wrap yeah. it up, wrap it up. Like, it's come on. This thing never ends. I mean, 
I feel like they've had more games in the victory tour than they had in all of qualifying in the actual World Cup. I mean, what's going on? Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So it's unfortunate. Um, and I do I do agree with, with, with the with the, the sentiment that, you know, why are you making these why are you making the women's team play on turf everywhere? Like you really can't find grass fields to play on. I mean, I can't remember the last time I covered and I've covered 120 plus U.S. games men. I can't remember a game on turf ever. I'm trying to think. I can't think of one. I, I'd have to rack my brain on it, but I really cannot think of a men's game on that was on artificial turf. I can't. I'm trying to think. Well, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It, no, I maybe against Mexico in 2000 at Giant Stadium, maybe, but maybe there was grass. I, you know, it's been a. It's I can't even remember. So the fact that they never play on artificial turf. But then now you're trying to get the make the women play every game like that's that's a bit of a joke like come on. Well, to add insult to injury, the U.S. women they've now gone out and said that even the training fields they were using leading up to the game in Hawaii were were substandard, and and they're saying because of that, I mean that contributed to Megan Rapinoe who now has torn her ACL, which I believe don't quote me on this is either the second or third time she's done this now. I mean, that just shows the fact that bad turf is going to cause injury for players. And it's just unfortunate that Megan Rapino, who is so crucial for the U.S. Women's National Team, is now suffering, has now suffered from this injury, especially with uh, Olympic qualifying coming up. I mean, the U.S. should still qualify regardless, but you still have Olympic qualifying coming up. You want full-strength squad. But, I mean, it's just, it's just unfortunate, Ivis, that, that... Well, I mean, who knows what happened with the practice facility. The, she she was hurt on a grass surface. And, obviously, the sur- apparently the surface wasn't playable. Or wasn't great, um, but yeah, no. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, this is something that forces U.S. soccer to look at its at how it handles these things, how how it how it treats the U.S. women. Um, and you know what? It, it, you can definitely make the point that look, the men generate more revenue than the women, even though even though the women are the world champions. But that doesn't mean like that they they should have to operate in just awful conditions. I mean, uh, that's a bit that's extreme, and, and I don't think anyone can really defend that. And Ivis, in Europe, Champions League group stage is done. We are now into the round of 16. Manchester United did not advance. Can you believe it? Total meltdown from them. However, though, you still get your usual suspects in there. Real Madrid, Manchester City, Barcelona, Chelsea, Ivis. I mean, what is going on? Chelsea figured it out the way to get through, win their group. So Champions League, man, round of 16. Now it gets good. No, I mean, well, forget about Chelsea. How about Arsenal? The way they started the group, I mean, they were dead. They were dead in the water, but they rallied. They beat Bayern. They, 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 and then they go to Greece for a game they needed to have, and they, and they delivered. All Olivier Giroud scores a hat trick, so now they go in. I mean, they're going to go in as a, as a second place team. So there, there's always that chance, at, and it happens every year. It seems like with them, where they get a brutal draw, but. If you're Arsene Wenger, you have to be happy that you're once again back in. And I think the stat, and it was a pretty crazy stat, that Arsenal has been in a round of 16 for like 16 straight years, which is pretty crazy. Shows you the quality, the level that they've been at uh, all this time. But you know what? Arsenal, man, they're a team that that, that could they're going to be a handful for whoever they play. Uh, and maybe they're finally due for a bit of an easier draw uh, after so many brutal, brutal draws for them. So. Um, Chelsea getting in. I mean, the group. I thought the group worked out for them, so that you know, it's not a shock that they made it through. Um, and then, but just look at the rest. I mean, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg winning their group. Uh, it must be said. I didn't see Wolfsburg after selling Kevin De Bruyne. 
I did not see them uh, being able to put a team together to, to do well in this competition, let alone win the group. So, I mean, hats off to them for the job that they did. Uh, I want to see who PSG draws because obviously Paris Saint-Germain uh, and they were in a group with Real Madrid. So they ended up finishing second. So they're 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 going to be a handful, and oh, I mean, I really hope they don't end up against Barcelona. You know, they're going to be Barcelona or Bayern. <laughs> no, no, but I don't want that. I, I, mean, I don't either. But you know, I don't want them facing Barcelona or Bayern that early in the competition. Um, but you know, you never know, man. That's the, when you get to draw. When you get a draw, when you have to draw the teams, anything's possible. So I mean, I don't know. I, I, as much, and I know some people say, well, why don't you? Why don't you want to have a PSG Bayern or PSG Barcelona in the round of 16. It's because I'd rather see those teams in the quarters. I want to see those. those that's a quarterfinal matchup. That's a semifinal. PSG Barcelona is is a semifinal caliber matchup. Um, so if they meet in the round of 16, then that means it's more likely that there's going to be some weak team gets through. Um, and I want to see the very best at the end. So we'll see. And Ivis, the College Cup is down to the final four teams. The semifinals we played. December 11th, championship games, December 13th. Matchups are Stanford versus Akron, and on the other side, Syracuse versus Clemson. All teams are ranked. You have no Cinderella teams here. I mean, these are four good teams, Ivis, with each team has solid pro prospects. I mean, these are going to be great. This is going to be a great Final Four matchup with all these. No, I agree. I mean, I like both of the matchups. Um, I don't know if I want to jinx any of the teams, and by picking a team, by picking a favorite. Um, but obviously Stanford with Jordan Morris, I mean, the best player in the country. However, Akron has been playing out of their minds. Uh, Richie, Richie Larea, Adam, the gem leading the way for them. Uh, they, they, their offense has just been just decimating opponents. So that matchup, that Akron Stanford matchup, I think, I think that that's going to be, it's going to be a fun one. And, and look, not all college matches are fun to watch. Not all college matches are entertaining, but I tell you what, that is going to be a high level a high-level college match that I think you're going to want to watch. And then the other one, Syracuse-Clemson. It's a little battle of teams that wear orange. <laughs> uh, I think pro scouts are definitely going to keep an eye on Julian Boucher for Syracuse, who's been really the driving force behind that team's push into the semis. And then Clemson, uh, they've been solid all year. They, they've been very consistent, one of the most consistent teams, maybe the most consistent team in the league, in the, in the in the country this year. So uh, I, I think they're, they're a team that could definitely uh, – I think they could win it, but win the whole thing. But – I think when you look at the other teams, I don't feel like Clemson has that kind of star player who can carry the, carry a team um, the way that you know Akron, Stanford, and uh, and Syracuse have. So so we'll see. Stanford's my team. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be pulling for them. I was <laughs> pulling for them. Pulling well, for I them. mean, you know, got got to represent. Oh wait, you know, the Pac-12, the West Coast. You know. Oh wait, is your boy Corey Baird? Dude, oh, no, Corey Baird's been killing it as well too. I want to point that out. It's not just Jordan Moore. Stanford is a very good team. Brandon Vincent's pretty good. Corey Baird is your boy, so that's why you're rooting for them. Just be honest. Of course, he's a good All player. Right. He's a good player, anyways, too. So, <laughs> hand in hand, Ivis, hand in hand. Stanford is the favorite. Let's let's face it. They're the, even though they're the they're not the top seed. Uh, they're the favorites because they have Jordan Morris and Brandon Vincent and Corey Baird. They've got some quality players, so they're yeah. the favorites. But if Ak- Akron is just there's just been Akron's been rolling. So I tell you what, there's going to be about seven goals minimum in that. And that I think in that Akron in Stanford game, watch, just watch seven goals. I'm put, seven, I'm t- all right. Book it. <laughs> <laughs> so one goal. <laughs> yeah, zero zero penalty shootout. Yeah. There you go. 
with with everyone missing but the final guy in the, the fifth one. <laughs> nah. Goals. There will be goals. Ivis, that ends today's show. Anything else? I mean, we need. We didn't really talk about your Columbus trip, man. Uh, it was good, man. It was. It was. Uh, you know, we had a good time. Uh, the thing is, right? So you get. We got there super early. We got there like er, five a.m. Wednesday morning. Oh, gross. After the long drive, got some sleep, then went off to to to, to crew training. Um, so the first couple of nights, you know, I, I tried to get as much work done as possible. You know, we did our show. And then obviously these guys were out partying. So, so when's it, you know, the young guys, they want to go out every night, uh, priorities, what can you do? Um, so, but Friday, I, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, I was able to kind of get my party on and, 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 and network and socialize. And, uh, Saturday was pretty good. There was a pretty good MLS, uh, the Columbus crew that I think they held, they, they hosted the event, but it's good just to, just to, you know, hang out with people in the industry and, uh, you know, whether it's other writers or, or executives or coaches or players or, uh, it's good. It's just to catch up, get to catch up in a, in a social setting and, uh, you know, open bar doesn't hurt. Um, but it was good. And then Sunday night, I got to tell you, uh, I may, I, 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 I magically wound up at the Portland Timbers party. Uh, and that thing was epic. That thing was pretty, uh, it was pretty epic. Uh, that's all I can say. <laughs> that's all I can say about that. <laughs> come on. I always gotta give details, dude. Ah, no, no, come on, man. Hey, what happened? Hey, what happens at the victory party Name. stays at the victory. No, but it, hey, I, it, it was, it was, and basically it was like a mini version of the party that they did at Providence Park in terms of, you know, the karaoke and, and, uh, the expletives and Mary Paulson dancing. I mean, yeah, it was like a preview of what ended up happening at Providence Park, but it was great to see, man. And once again, I got to say, uh, hats off to Caleb Porter. I mean, we're talking about a guy who caught so much flat when the Olympic team did not qualify in 2012. Uh, he was ridiculed. He was vilified. He was, you know, people were like, "Oh, he's he's no, he's not a good coach. He's a product of recruiting. He doesn't know what he's doing. He should never be in the pros." He's a loser. I mean, that's I mean, the, that's fact. I mean, people wrote that. People wrote he's a loser. People wrote he didn't know what he's doing. That he's not a good coach. And now he he can stand there with his trophy in his hands and say, "How you like me now?" Uh, and, and he deserves it, man. The guy works hard. I know him very well. I've known him for years, and uh, I know how hard he works. And uh, I know the challenges that he's gone through. And I know the the soul searching that the guy has gone through. I mean, here's a guy who, you know what? He has a, he has a very healthy ego, but at the same time, he, he, he was fully aware of the things he needed to improve on the things he needed to change. And he did those things. So, I mean, he's, he's way, he's, he's 10 times the coach he was when he coached that Olympic qualifying team. But I think he was always a good coach. And now I think maybe, maybe now people will realize that, yeah, maybe he is a good coach. Maybe he's a future national team coach. Uh, you know what? I don't see him being a national team coach anytime soon, man. I think he's a guy who, you know, he likes to be around the team and really build a team and bit when you're a national team coach, you hardly see your team. You're really not around your team much at all. So it's not really a young man's job. It's really for older coaches. It's really for guys in their, you know, 50 and above. And, uh, I think Caleb Porter's got a long, he's got about a decade of club coaching, I think under his belt before he's even, would even entertain national team jobs. So a decade, I'll be looking at forty years old at that point. Well, I mean, hey, he's young, man. I think we, me, Caleb and I, we're like the same age. We're almost the same age. So, 
Um, you know, he uh, he's still young, man. We're still young. Forties, as Jay Z once said, forties and new thirty. So we're uh, you know we're living we're living well right now, enjoying it. <laughs> Come on, man. What forties? <laughs> it's just scary when I think about that. That like you know I'm 28, which doesn't seem that old, but then I think like 40 seems really old. That's only 10 years away. That's listen. Trust me. When I was 28. I thought 40 was old as hell. And and seriously, I'm, it freaks and, me and out. Like, to 40, me, that's like, oh my 41. god! Hey, listen, and I'm 41, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I don't feel old. Uh, I, I feel like you know, I don't feel old. But I'm like, you know what? No matter what, I'm gonna know 50s old. So I got about, I got, I got like four or five more years before I just, you know, knock on wood. I hope I'm alive. I, 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 I'll, I'll just, just be accept. And I've already accepted. I'm old. I accept that I'm old, man. I. I you know, a perfect example being at MLS Cup weekend, and you're seeing these younger people, and you're and you're and you're running into people who you know, like readers, people who read my stuff, and and you know, I, I, when I meet players who who are like, yeah, man, I used to read your stuff in high school, and and I'm like, damn, bro, <laughs> like, you're not even young, you're like kind of in your mid twenties, like, and I know I've been around, I've been around since night, you know, I've been covering MLS since '99, and and you know, running SBI since you know the original SBI since '06. Uh, writing for ESPN back in 04. So, uh, I mean, that's cool. And I accept it, man. You, you know what? You have to just you, – you get older. And you know what? You, with, along with getting old, it comes wisdom. And I'd rather – I don't mind being older because I know so much more than the dudes that are in their 20s that it's not even funny. So it, it's great. So I get to be the teacher, man. I get to be the guy who, 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 who kind of steers that next generation of guys. Well, you're not doing a good job steering me, I was. So uh, you, you need to step up your game. Uh, I can't help you, man. I can't help everybody. Uh, <laughs> or do you, you just don't try? Ask, you don't or are you just trying to get? You don't help? ask for advice, man. People who you know what? If people ask for help, they get help. That's not true. I ask you for advice all the time. Hey, you ask, <laughs> shall receive. All right, Ivis. Don't get mad. There you go. There's my advice. No, no, I'm just it's, it's happening, <laughs> and it's happening in I don't know how many days now, but it's happening. So we, I can't cancel at this point, right? I mean, I can't. Mm-hmm. Can I? Probably. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Be bad. Be bad for a lot of <laughs> for a lot of people. Yes. Um, all right, Ivis. Well, that ends today's show. Anything else we need to uh, discuss before I let you go for the weekend? I think that's it, man. I think we've rambled on enough. Uh, I don't know when we're going to do our next show. Um, we'll see. Maybe I, I think it might be. We might be time. I kind of wanted to get to two fifty by the end of the year, but I think at this point that's a little ambitious. So. I don't know what we're going to do now. I think we need to take a break and then revisit revisit the show come January. What? A break for two weeks? We can get one more show on. We got the, come on, Ivis. We got the re-entry draft. We got the college cup. There's plenty to talk about, man. Don't be reckless. All right. We'll see. Maybe we'll, 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 we'll try to get some guests. Because I got to tell you, what, and I'll, like, when, when we have a show with guests, the next and then the next show we have no guests, it's like depressing. It's like depressing. It's like, man, we had Will Trap, Fernando Adi on last show. Who we got this time? Nobody. We suck. <laughs> so it's kind of like you want you want to keep that baseline. So I think I've said it before. I need to I need to start recording the show myself so we can get we can I can get guests anytime. And, wow, and thanks, Ivis. I appreciate that. It's, yeah, you're holding us back, man. I, I think yeah, I think we got to let you go. You know, the kidding. problem <laughs> is the problem is is I you know I woke up one day and I realized that there's no money to be made in soccer. That that that's the reality. Hey, man, it's all good. It's all good, man. That's the reality, my man. Then I then Just I then I took, then I took a corporate job, Ivis. Everyone has to make choices in life, my friend. I know. I know. I know. I'm working as a PR guy for a third division soccer team is a. Uh, <laughs> 
can imagine how lucrative that, that job is, I was sure you can. Well, no one, <laughs> well, no one said for to keep, no one told you to keep that job, but. I know, I know. Hey, things get on, life goes you on. Your, you live and you learn. Exactly, exactly. Learn a lot. All right, I was, I'm going to let you go for the weekend. Enjoy yourself, all right, man? Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. That is Ivis Golarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.